0: Mr. Peterson, uh, Eugene. Um, my name is Bono. I'm the singer with uh, the group U2, and wanted to sort of video message you my thanks and our thanks and the band for this remarkable work you've done.
1: And I listened to his music and I thought I like this guy, and I I was starting to. After a while, I started was being quite pleased that he knew me. <laughs> Yes, but the rest of the story is, when the, he invited you to come and hang with them for a while, you turned them down. I was, I was pushing a deadline on the message. Uh, I was finishing up the Old Testament at the time, and I really couldn't do it. I, I, uh, you may be the only person alive <laughs> who would turn down the opportunity just to make a deadline. I mean, come on. It's it's
0: Bono, for crying out loud.
1: Dean, it was Isaiah. (laughs) Yeah. it's one of his one of his best ones and he he sings a lot i mean he does this a lot it's one of the psalms that reaches into the hurt and disappointment and uh, difficulty of being a human being and uh acknowledges that in in a language that is immediately um, recognizable you know there's something that reaches into the heart of a person and the stuff we all feel many of us don't talk about.
2: There are indeed many things that we all feel, but we don't talk about it. Uh, Hope, it is so good to be here with you today. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor at Luther Church of Hope Ames, and it's just wonderful to be able to worship with you. Uh, Now, I'm going to name this from the start. Uh, My legs hurt really bad today. I ran a marathon yesterday, um, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm going to invite my friends out here to bring out a stool and a table. Uh, I would bring these out by myself, but I physically cannot today. Um, And so... uh, just bear with me, because if I stood here and, and walked around the entire sermon, it would be more distracting, I promise, because like every 10 steps, there's like a, don't, oh! you know, and, uh, and stairs are my nemesis, and so are uh, uh, slopes today, and so that's why I was staying in the back during opening worship, so uh, just hang out with me for a second as I, uh, there we go, get in my seat, cool. Um, this is going to be different today, and that's okay, right? Is this comfortable? Is this all right? Yeah. We're good? Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, <laughs> keep applauding for me, thank you. <laughs> Let's praise God just to praise God, huh? All right. Hey, how about it? Um, You guys are an amazing church. Uh, I thank you so much. You don't just support me uh, here as a pastor. That's really cool. But you also support me in my personal life, and I thank you for that. Um, I'm reminded of that sometimes when I I chase kind of goofy little dreams that I have about running long distances. And um, it was so neat uh, just how many of you reached out to me and said, uh, you know, nice job. We're proud of you. Um, Our our, uh, youth and family minister, Pete Smith, he's running the half marathon in Chicago right now. Um, So when you see him next week, make sure that you tell him congratulations. Now, because he's gone, another reason why church is so great, volunteers have stepped up. um, And uh, we have two volunteers today, uh, Janine and Heather, who are leading our Hope Kids Uh, Program voluntarily today. And so if you uh, walk by the gym on your way out, please do say thank you to them. Um, Thank you to all of our volunteers who make it possible for us to gather here every single week. Being a mobile church that sets up and tears down, we can't do church if if it's not for you. Um, So church, uh, I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. um, And I'm so glad that we get to do life together uh, here in this room, but also um, when we get outside these walls too. So let's praise God for that, huh? Yeah. All right. So today we're diving into our series again. It's uh, called Say What? We're looking at the shocking statements of Jesus. Now before we get into that, I want to acknowledge what Eugene Peterson said. Eugene Peterson, as you kind of got from the video there, is a Bible translator. He passed away a couple of years ago, but he's one of the greatest biblical scholars of all time. Uh, having deep understandings of both biblical Hebrew and Greek. Most of the time, scholars uh, can really only specialize in one, but his intelligence, his ability to soak it in was so incredible that he was able to translate both Hebrew and Greek um, very, very well. And he created a translation of the Bible called The Passion, which was an attempt at essentially paraphrasing the Bible with modern language. And it's absolutely beautiful. Um, And I will be using some of those on some of the slides today. But he said something at the end there. There are certain things that we experience that nobody wants to talk about. Some of them aren't necessarily super huge or big, but nonetheless, they are things that we all experience. I've read a clickbait article this week um, that talked about different things that we all feel, but we don't acknowledge. So take a look at this first one, if you can see it behind me here. Uh, me wakes up at 7, wakes up, please don't be 7 a.m., please don't be 7 a.m., please don't be 7 a.m., clock 3 a.m. Yes! Can anybody here relate to that? But we don't talk about it, you know, like, no, when I wake up, I'm just ready to go. Some of you are, and that's great. This next one was pretty good. Uh, While you're chomping on your food and the waiter asks if everything is okay, and you're like, "Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm, I I love it, you know, trying to keep it back. Uh, This one, I think, cracks me If you ever rode an elevator, you know this. Me watching elevator close on people as I calmly press the close. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, this next one's pretty funny, too. When you find the milk carton at the grocery store that expires one day later than all the other milk cartons, you think you've got that golden ticket, don't you? You really do. Now, this last one actually kind of pokes at a deeper level. Do you ever just forget to hide your expressions for a minute? And then you're like, whoa, I did not mean to make that face out loud. It's like, it's like when somebody tells you, uh, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. You're like, you should not be doing that with your life. I don't know, but maybe we should be talking about those things. Maybe those are the things that we should acknowledge more often that we should express, because there are things that we all experience, right? There are deep things. The Bible doesn't tell us to pretend, but sometimes we do. I don't think that we pretend in our lives, you know, like uh, pretending like everything's fine, everything's okay, I'm good. Just to deliberately lie, I think that we do it to protect ourselves, maybe to protect the relationships around us, maybe to even physically protect ourselves at certain points. But we're trained to pretend at a very young age, aren't we? Not talk about the things that we all experience, but nobody really wants to uh, acknowledge. God doesn't call us to pretend. In fact, the Bible is very, very real. You heard this in the Bible reading today. This is from Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus is naming things that are very real that we can all identify with whether it's specific things on this list or not. These are known as the Beatitudes. They're things that Jesus says that you're blessed for. And that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, because these are the things that hurt so bad that we don't want to talk about. God blesses those who are poor, those who mourn, those who are humble, those who hunger and thirst for justice when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. Those aren't fun. The Bible doesn't shy away from these kinds of things. And then Jesus shocks us with the say what moment when he finishes that by saying, Be happy about it. Yeah. Say what? Be happy about it? How can you be happy about that? I don't think that we want to be necessarily. And because we're not happy about it, we kind of lie unintentionally. We pretend like everything's fine. Maybe you could identify with one of those things on that list, but you're not talking about it. When I was younger, I had this friend, he was a neighborhood friend, and I still know him well today. And so I texted him uh, this morning and said, hey, can I, can I share that story? I was going to do it. And I'm like, I should probably ask, because it's pretty funny. But. Um, so we were, uh, we were in the orchestra together at Westridge Elementary in fourth grade. I played the viola, and uh, my friend was playing the violin. And uh, he did not know how to play the violin at all. But he told his parents, I will practice so hard, I'm so passionate about this, I want to play the violin. And so his parents got him the violin, he joined the orchestra, and he had this hilarious way of approaching the orchestra because he realized once he joined the orchestra, the violin's a very hard instrument to play. It's amazing that fourth graders can get out there and play Ode to Joy. You know what I mean? Hot cross buns, you might not think it's that impressive until you try to play it. You know. Anyway, so we're sitting there, and every single day in orchestra that we had orchestra, I guess, my friend would be across across the room. I'd be looking over at him, and he never actually had his bow touching the strings. (laughs) He was just faking, and he'd be looking over at me like, "You know that you're good at violin when you start shaking the whole body, you know." (laughs) And he was just he, he was pretending, right? So we had a concert coming up. And uh, he was terrified because he thought, well, at the concert, I'm going to be exposed. And so he told our orchestra teacher that his parents were planning a trip, and they needed to leave like a couple of days before the weekend so he couldn't be there. He told his parents the concert was canceled. (laughs) Eventually, the parents and the teachers talked. Kids, listen to that. Students, you know what I mean? like People who you don't think talk, they talk. Everything comes out. And it was funny, Uh, my friend, he like, He he was obviously, I think, pretty embarrassed at first, but he also said, uh, as he looked back on that, when he texted me this morning, he said, yeah, you know what I learned from that? I'm like, what'd you learn from that? He said, I realized that telling the truth causes so much less stress than pretending. His parents said to him, hey, if you didn't want to play, just don't do it. Even after we got you the violin, if it's going to cause you that much terror, just don't do it. But he felt like he had to pretend. What is it that you're pretending about these days? The Bible does not pretend. Yesterday, when I was running the marathon, I could not pretend, right? I was hurting. Like in the beginning, like you're saying to all the volunteers on the side of the road, you're like, so glad you're here. Thank you. Yes! And then by the end, they're saying, good job. And you're like, shut up! (laughs) That was inappropriate. Sorry. Don't use that word. and uh, I think that this this psalm actually came to my mind. It, uh, it comes from Psalm chapter 22. Every joint in my body has been pulled apart. My heart is a blob of melted wax in my gut. <laughs> okay, that's not entirely accurate. That's actually way taken out of context. But when I was when I was running a marathon a few years ago, um, there was a guy with just uh, Psalm 135 or not Psalm 130 Psalm 35 ta- or, uh, tattooed on his back. And it says this in Psalm 35. Harass these hecklers. Punch these bullies in their nose. Reassure me. Let me hear you say, I'll save you. The Bible's very real. There are things that we feel that we don't want to say out loud because we're maybe embarrassed or we're trying to protect ourselves, save our reputation, save the relationships around us, and sometimes even help ourselves physically, right? But it's important to be honest And being honest causes less stress and damage down the road than pretending. It's quite the verse there. It's quite the passage. Harass these hecklers. Punch the bullies in the nose. It's interesting, in the video that we watched, uh, in the extended version of that, and we're going to check out another clip in just a minute here, but in the extended version of that uh, video, um, it actually acknowledges Psalm 35. And uh, Eugene Peterson talked about, in the Psalms, these biblical authors, they were writing with such passion, sometimes such anger and devastation, that Eugene Peterson said that as he's translating this, he had to learn how to cuss without cussing. Because it's that real. They refuse to pretend. I'm being hurt, and I need you to hear me. I need you to see me. My brother and I, when we used to go to bed at night, um, from ages like 0 to 11, I think, we shared a bed. Or a bedroom. Not, not a bed. We shared a bedroom. Um, honestly, we had a lot of sleepovers in the same bed, too, to be honest. But We shared a bedroom. Um, and so I would always say to John at night, hey, John, good night. He'd say, good night. I'm like, I love you. You <laughs> like, wouldn't say it back. And I wouldn't go to bed or let it go until he said it back. So I'd say, say it back. (laughs) And would say, I love you. And then eventually we had two separate rooms. And our walls were connected, and our doors were right next to each other, and we both always slept with our doors open. And sure enough, in my bed, I'd still shout, hey, John, good night. Good night. I love you. (laughs) Please say it back. (laughs) And I wouldn't go to bed until he said it back. There were times where I just said it like 15 times. Say, I love you. Say, I love you. Say, I love you. Because we want to be seen. We want to be heard, especially when we're feeling vulnerable. When we're tired of pretending. There comes a moment when we can't pretend anymore. Yesterday, after the race, I was totally fine, but I had to go lay on a table for a minute with some of the medics, as a lot of people do. And one of the half-marathoners was on a table, and, and she, she is grabbing the medics by the collar. And she is screaming, I didn't train for this. <laughs> and like, she was kind of laughing, kind of serious. I mean, like eventually the truth comes out, and you can't like just pretend to be able to run a half marathon. You can't just pretend to be able to play your violin. You can't just pretend to be OK. And so you keep shouting out to God, Hear me. Notice me. Did you know that the same piece of your brain is activated when you are punished as when you are ignored? Isn't that interesting? When you are being ignored, you feel like you're being punished. We need to be noticed. God notices you, God hears you. It's time to stop pretending. And rather from uh, you hearing it from me, I'd like for you to hear it from one of the greatest modern artists and also one of the greatest biblical scholars of all time. Take a look.
1: I was 12 years old when I discovered the Psalms. I picked up the Bible and I started reading and somebody told me that the Psalms were important so I started with the Psalms and I was totally confused. Um because I grew up in a culture where every word in the Bible was the word of God, literally. Don't mess around with it, it's just, that's the way it is. And I was starting to read uh, that he keeps my tears in this bottle, uh, shields, uh, javelins, uh, rock, God is a rock, come on, and, but it's it's not smooth. It's not nice, it's not pretty, but it's, it's honest. And I think we're trying for honesty, um, which is very, very hard in our, in our culture.
0: I, I'm talking about dishonesty, that I find a lot of, in, the, in, in Christian art, a lot of dishonesty, yeah, right. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think it's a shame because got, these are people who are vulnerable to God in a good way. You know, vulnerable. I mean, porous, open. I I would love if 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 this conversation would inspire people who are writing these beautiful voices and writing these beautiful, say, gospel songs. Write a song about their bad marriage, because that's what God wants from you: that truth, the way, the truth, and and that truthfulness. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. It'll blow things apart. Why I. I'm suspicious of Christians is because uh, of this lack of realism and I'd love to see more of that in art and in life and in music.
2: Bono, uh, the lead singer of U2, who wrote the song that we had sung for us uh, during offering today, he professes to be a Christian. Um, He's taken a lot of flack for that um, in the uh, secular, uh, I guess, music scene. Um, But he's also taken flack from Christians. You know, are you holy enough? Why aren't your songs more explicitly Christian? I think that his songs are explicitly Christian. In fact, that song 40 comes right from the words of Scripture. How long? How long do we have to wait? But I'll sing a new song because I trust that you're going to hear me. You know, he said something that was very interesting there. Became suspicious of Christians because we pretend. When was the last time that you told somebody that things in your life weren't great? Do you have, like, close, safe friendships in your life that you could tell, like, if your marriage wasn't going well? Do you have somebody that you can open up to if your career hasn't worked out the way that you wanted it to? Do you have someone that you could talk to if things at school aren't working out? If you're getting bullied? If you feel like you don't have any friends? Eventually, we have to stop pretending. And in a serious way, we end up like the woman on the medic table screaming, I didn't train for this. I'm not ready for this. So I want to revisit that text. God blesses those who are poor, those who mourn, those who are humble, those who hunger and thirst for justice, and when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, be happy about it. How do you get there? I didn't train for that, right? I'm not not prepared for that. Let's talk about what it means to be blessed. I'm not just saying like in an Instagram, Facebook, social media kind of way where we hashtag it. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. I went on a vacation. There's something deeper than that, isn't there? I mean, that's nice. It's good. You know, post about it. That's good. But there's something deeper than that. Blessing in the Bible, it's a word called makarios. Everybody say makarios. And it does literally translate into blessing, but it also means that you are experiencing grace. You are experiencing grace, and it's something that cannot be taken. When it says be happy about it, it actually uses two different words. It's a word that is explaining rejoice, truly rejoice and celebrate. Then there's another word that's exult. You should actually be jumping with joy when these things happen to you. I didn't train to be able to do that, right? My legs and my body, it hurts so bad right now, I have to preach to you from sitting in a chair. I can't jump up and down right now. There's nothing I could do that would make that possible. And Jesus says when you're feeling that way spiritually, you ought to be able to be happy about it. I wonder if this is one of the reasons why if we take this passage just out of context and we look at it and we slap it on other people's situations, people think about Christians, they think you're just a bunch of pretenders. You don't mean anything that you're saying. There's no way that you can be that happy about bad stuff. Well, The truth is, is Jesus is not telling you to be happy about that bad stuff. Jesus is telling you to experience grace. He's telling you to experience heaven. He's telling you to experience something that can't be taken from you. Take a look at this list. Those who are poor, those who mourn, those who are humble, hunger and thirst for justice, mock you and persecute you. Jesus is actually giving a list of himself. He's explaining his own characteristics. He is poor. He did mourn. Did you know that Jesus, the word that describes Jesus the most in the Bible, his character, it's not mighty, it's not strong, it's not better than. Although he is all of those things. The word that's used to describe Jesus' character more than anything is compassion. Compassion. And the biblical word for compassion literally means for your heart to break. There's this one article that was published a long time ago, a time ago called The Emotional Journey of Our Lord. And for every single time that Jesus' heart broke to a point where he was emotionally demonstrating his heartbreak, he smiles once for every 20 times his heart breaks. Jesus' life was full of sorrow. That's why Scripture calls him the man of sorrows. His life was full of heartbreak. His life was full of mourning. He was persecuted. He was mocked. He was poor. Yet he hungered and he thirsted for justice. And yet, look at him. He had this ability to endure, didn't he? When you look at the life of Jesus, isn't that a kind of life that we'd want? I get it. Not necessarily the pain. But his ability to stay focused on his goal. Wouldn't it be nice if no matter how bad you were hurting, you could keep on running? No matter how bad the things around you got, no matter how sad you became, you had the ability to still look your goals in the face. And more important than your goals, the dreams that God has put on your life and say, I'm still going to walk forward and trust. Wouldn't it be nice to have that capability, to have that kind of strength, Jesus is saying you can have that. I don't think that it's any mistake that right after Jesus goes through this long and kind of depressing list, he immediately goes into talking about being a light. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are what gives the world flavor. But then he goes, you are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Those two passages don't seem like they go together. Mourning, being persecuted, being mocked, hungering and thirsting for justice because you're experiencing injustice being poor, none of those things seem like they line up with being a light. Because what do we think of when we think of light? We think light shows, right? But I've learned that there's a difference between a light and a show. So I've got a flashlight here, right? This flashlight has a purpose. If I turn the flashlight on, and I won't shine it in any of your eyes because that'd be cruel, if I turn the flashlight on, what does it do? It exposes the truth. It exposes the reality. It exposes what's around me. Holden, would you mind go ahead and turning down the lights for just a second? If I turn down the lights, right, our eyes will slowly start to adjust to it. And we'll start to believe that we know what's around us. But nonetheless, when we turn on the light, no matter how dark it's gotten, no matter how used to our circumstances and surroundings we've become, the light exposes that. The light forces us to accept what's real in the world. And so the light does not point to itself, the light points to what's true and what's real. You can go ahead and turn the lights back on, if you will. But here's the funny thing about a light, right? A light does not draw attention to itself. If I stared at this light, I would hurt my eyes very bad. If I shine this at you, it would hurt you. A light's purpose is not to draw attention to itself, but instead, to expose truth. To help people come to terms with reality, so we could stop pretending. Because when the light shines, we also notice, yes, this is the truth about what's happening around me, but there is something beautiful about the truth that is happening around you too. Take a look at this. Jesus talks about this when he talks about prayer. And this is in the chapter right after, in Matthew chapter chapter 6. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, who love to pray on street corners and synagogues where everyone can see them. That's all the reward they'll ever get. Those are the kind of people who are a light show, right? Right? Those are the kind of people who say that I'm big, I'm great, I know God so well, pay attention to me. And Jesus is saying about the religious people, the best reward they will ever get is someone looks at them. Not somebody knows them, not somebody cares for them, but somebody sees them. Somebody notices that they're powerful, right? And that's the only reward that they'll ever get, and that will last however long their life lasts, however long their career lasts, however long that relationship lasts. However long that journey toward a goal lasts. But eventually it's gone. There must be something deeper. Jesus tells people, when you are persecuted, you are blessed. What in the world is he talking about? How can these things all go together? Keep in mind who Jesus knew was the persecutor. Keep in mind who Jesus thought of as persecutors in those days. Don't get me wrong, there were persecutors of all kinds. But Jesus' followers would be directly persecuted by the religious establishment. Jesus himself would be persecuted by the people who are the most religious. And so a question that we have to ask ourselves as Christians, when we say that we're a light, what are we doing? Are we drawing attention to ourselves or are we helping other people see truth? See reality. We are not shining in people's eyes just to get more attention from them. We're shining so that the world can see truth. So that the world can see Jesus. That's a prize that's worth living for. Because these other prizes in life, I mean like, these other prizes in life that you try to get and you try to attain just to hold on to yourself and please, nobody ever take this from me. But then there's the kind of prize that you are motivated and just, you just want to share. Because those are the ones that can't be taken away from you. So you're not insecure about them. You can share it. Who cares? It's no less for you. So here's the medal that I got yesterday, right? Um, at the Fargo Marathon. And uh, it's pretty special, right? You know? Frankly, if they didn't give it to me, I'd be very, very upset. You know, but nonetheless, this is the, this is the medal that I got. There's a picture of me and Abby afterward. I know I look cool. You don't have to tell me. Um, I need a haircut. Anyway. So this is the medal that I got, right? This medal, like, is, is fun. It's great. But like, I will. Pro- I'm just gonna tell you right now. I'll probably lose this. Like, I just will. Any trophy or medal that I got from when I was a kid—not a lot, but nonetheless, the sum that I got—I have none of them anymore. I've literally lost every single one from high school and middle school and from sports. I have none of them. My life's no less great. It wasn't this that made me happy, right? So when I was running that race, and like, I was screaming out, like, somebody, please notice me. Because there are certain parts in the race where I was kind of running by myself, and there'd be like one volunteer on the side of the road, and I'm kind of looking at them, and they're kind of looking at me, and I'm like, thanks for being here. <laughs> you know? and they're like, eh. <laughs> like, well, they saw me, but they didn't notice me. They don't know me. They don't care for me. I didn't, like, feel seen. But you know what was neat? Like, so Abby, my wife, is incredible. You have no idea how amazing she is. First off, she drove all the way to Fargo to watch me live out a a running dream, I guess. And she just chased me along the course, right? Like She kept on finding me at different spots. Um, And she also had my parents on FaceTime, so every time I ran by, I would see her and I'd see them. It was so cool. And and it was so neat because when I was running with somebody and if I'd see her, somebody would be like, oh, that was nice. I caught myself. I realized at the end of the race, I never once said, yeah, that's my wife. Instead I kept on saying, I'm her husband. Because it meant something to me like to belong to her. Because to belong to her means that she notices me and she sees me and when I see my parents on that screen, to belong to them, to be noticed by them, to see them. And so the thing that like... I, I didn't, like literally, before I got this, I've gotten a few of these, right? Because I've run some marathons. And it's amateur running, right? Like this is not a big deal, right? You know, it's not at all. But I didn't think about the metal once during the race. you know what I kept thinking about? The entire race, all I could think about was like, I just want to tell Abby about how bad this hurts. <laughs> I just can't wait to tell her. And sure enough, when I got done, I was done the medic tent, and like I'm like walking, like I can't lift my shoulders, so I'm like walking around like this, you know? I saw her and there's a gate between us and I just, I just, like, I just leaned on her. I'm like oh, It hurts so bad. And she heard me. And whether I finished the race or not, nobody could take that. So I have a question for you. Like, is your joy in, more, in this life, is it pretend or is it real? Way, way more significant than a medal like this. I was talking to a guy in our church who has a gold medal. Some of you know who he is. I won't point him out, because that would be rude. Um, but he's here. Anyway. <laughs> he told me something significant after he spoke with our men's group. Because um, I was like, my goodness, like, you're just letting everybody try on your gold medal. He let me try it on. I got a picture with it. It was great. It was amazing. And, uh, I'm like, you know, and he's like, well, yeah. People ask, like, why do you let everybody try on your gold medal? And, and he said, well, wouldn't you want to try one on, too? Nobody can take away the experience from me. Nobody can take away the passion that I experienced in pursuing that goal. If I lost the medal, if somebody stole it from me, if it broke, okay. But I have something that can't be taken. Church, you have something that can't be taken. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, and you heard this right at the beginning of the reading today, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It cannot be taken from you. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who continue to keep their eyes on Jesus. And they can't persecute you out of that. Whether it's someone who's holier than thou and looks down on you, or it's someone who laughs at you because you've depended your entire life on a God who knows you and notices you and cares for you. The kingdom of heaven is yours and nobody can take that from you. And so when we look at that list of all those different things that could go terribly in our lives, Jesus isn't saying, just look the other way and smile. He's saying, I want you to learn how to live like I do in those situations. You can live like Jesus did in those situations. You can still chase those goals, but more importantly, the dreams that God's put on your life. They cannot take that from you. Because the kingdom of heaven is yours. So let's take a look at the difference between pretend joy and real joy. Pretend blessedness, real blessedness. Pretend happiness and real happiness. Pretend is decorative. You put a metal on it, right? But express, but real joy is expressive. So think about it like this. You put ornaments on a Christmas tree, right? Those are, are decorative. But what would be expressive is to see a real tree grow and come out of what's already inside. So you want to test yourself to know if your joy is pretend or real? Is it something that you're using to decorate your life with and impress others with, or is it something that simply naturally comes out of you? If it's something that just decorates, it might not be worth your time anymore because the people you're trying to impress don't care as much as you think that they do. By next week, I don't think any of you are going to remember that I ran a marathon, and I hope you don't because I want to stop talking about this. This hurts, right? I want to be done with it. You'll honestly, you'll remember You'll talk to me about it because you guys are all amazing. But Nonetheless, is it decorative or is it expressive? Is it something you're just putting on the outside or is it something that God's given you and is now coming out? Pretend joy is circumstantial, but real joy is steady. It's to have that capability to live like Jesus. Pretend joy seeks reward, but real joy seeks to share because it can't be taken. Pretend joy is manufactured. You have to create it. You have to chase it. But real joy is given. Because you got a God who never stops noticing you. You belong to him. So you heard this in the song that was sang earlier during the offering, called 40, and it's from Psalm chapter 40, and this is how Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 starts. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He heard me. He noticed me. And I think that there are a lot of things, you know, um, there are a lot of things I'd like to say to everybody, but that wouldn't be healthy. And so there are certain things that you only express to people within an inner circle, right, where they can support you, sustain you. You know, they won't talk about it to others. Those private things are important. And then there's the God where there's no filter needed whatsoever. Jesus says he's your parent and he already knows what's going on in your life. Talk to him. And sometimes you just want to tell him how bad you're hurting. And you don't have to pretend. Because even when your joy doesn't feel real, he's got more of it. We finished the sermon last week with this verse, and I want to finish it again because I just see how these two different passages, these two different stories, these two different topics have Have come together in the last week. Hebrews chapter twelve describes Jesus saying, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Even when you feel like your joy is out, like if you have to be real and not pretend, say, I don't have joy right now. Psalm chapter forty-two. Why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you hurting? Why don't you remember? Why can't you shout? Why can't you praise? Why can't you be happy? The Bible's real about that. But Jesus has more joy to share. Because Jesus has a gift that cannot be taken away from him. Jesus has a reward that he has earned for all of eternity. He had a joy that he pursued. He was poor. He was mourning. He was thirsting and hungering for justice. He was persecuted, mocked, and even executed. But on the cross, he still saw joy. And that joy, the one thing that he was pursuing, the one thing that he wanted to have forever, it wasn't eternal bliss with the Father because he already had that. It wasn't acknowledgement in heaven. He already had that. What was the one thing, the one thing that he endured the cross for? you. He takes joy in you. So I just, ima- like, ima- I just imagine I imagine the people who have gone before us, imagine the people that you cheer so hard for in your life, and I also imagine myself, right? Because this needs to get intimate and very personal. I imagine a day when the stresses are gone, and peace has been found, and death is done. And I'll get to tell Jesus everything. I can now, but then I will see him looking at me. I'll say, come on, I know you're tired, and i got a place for you to be filled forever. Because that's the kind of joy I want to give you. Be happy about that when everything else is falling apart. You can be happy. You can be like Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.